Key Economic Releases Affecting Fixed Income Yields Insights into Sectors Influencing Fixed Income Securities How AAM Plans to Capitalize on These Themes for Your Fixed Income Portfolio The Portfolio Fix is a podcast series featuring members of AAM's investment and portfolio management team. We will discuss the timely issues affecting the fixed income investments of our insurance clients. Welcome to another episode of the Portfolio Fix, a podcast series from AAM. My name is Patrick McGeever, and I'm a member of AAM's investment team. As usual, Marco Bravo will provide AAM's latest views on the economy, and then Elizabeth Henderson will join us to discuss the media industry, which is undergoing some profound changes. So welcome, Marco. Thanks, Pat. Um, we only spoke about two weeks ago, and it's been a highly volatile 10 days for rates, particularly for longer dated treasury bonds. Um, we've observed about a 50 basis point drop in yields, biggest decline since November of last year when the Fed raised rates by about 75 basis points and CPI report came in well below expectations. So what do you think is behind all the volatility in today's market? Well, Pat, the, the volatility in the market is largely due to um, continued uncertainty surrounding Fed policy. If we look at what happened last week and the economic data, primarily the uh, weaker than expected uh, employment report for October, and then the kind of the dovish tone uh, by Fed Chair Powell at his press conference kind of had the market believing that uh, the Fed was likely done raising interest rates. Uh, but then this week, um, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, a speech by Fed Powell. Uh, he mentioned that the Fed still has a long way to go before they reach their goal of 2% inflation. And on the labor market front, we had some wage data from the Atlanta Federal Reserve, which showed wages kind of sticky in that five to five and a half percent range. So perhaps, and perhaps the labor market isn't weakening as quickly as um, investors were thinking last week, and that will continue to put pressure on inflation. And pressure on inflation means uh, Fed policy remains restrictive. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of give you a sense of kind of market reaction, uh, you look at the futures market for Fed funds rate, the implied probability that the rate would be below the current level at June of next year. Today, that probability is at 68%. A week ago, that probability was at 85%. So markets you know, continue to be very volatile around the uncertainty surrounding uh, Fed policy, okay, uh, and the expectation that you know we might be in this higher for longer uh, phase. Yeah, I, you talked about the higher for longer phase last time we spoke, and one thing that I should have brought up and I didn't is what does that mean for uh, economic growth? At some point, these rates have to negatively influence growth, right? Yeah, we would agree with that. At some point the higher interest rates will begin to weigh on consumer spending, which has been kind of the key driver of economic growth this year. Uh, We would also expect it to weigh in on a corporate investment. 
and higher for longer, you would know better than I do as a credit analyst, um, has the potential for negative credit events the longer we stay at these higher rates as debt that has to be rolled over uh, is refinanced into uh, into higher uh, higher rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I, I would have expected the impact to have shown up earlier than it has. Um, I saw an interesting report this week, though, that the, the asset class that has the most refinancing risk right now is actually treasuries, uh, and to a lesser extent, high yield, uh, and even below that, corporate bonds. They have termed out much of their debt, so this higher rate is not influencing those asset class nearly as much as it is uh, treasuries, but uh, somebody else wrote that don't confuse a lagged impact with no impact, so I think that probably reflects what our company's view is it's coming. It's just a matter of when. Um, That's correct. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned uh, the consumer contributing to to growth here. Recently, we have some big consumer-related economic releases next week uh, with retail sales and CPI. Uh, what are consensus expectations for those figures? Uh, on the inflation front. The expectation right now is for inflation to moderate somewhat from the previous month. So, for example, at the headline number, uh, CPI is expected to increase by one tenth of, of a percent for October. Uh, in September, uh, headline CPI was up 0.4 percent. So, some some moderation is expected at the headline number. Uh, core, uh, which is more closely watched by investors and and the Fed, uh, that's expected to be up three tenths of a percent, uh, the same as it was in the prior month. Uh, on the consumer side, their yeah, retail sales will be closely watched to see, you know, how the consumer is starting off the fourth quarter. And right now, the 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 consensus is expecting for a, a modest decline in uh, retail spending, and that could just be to be because of the very strong readings that we had in the uh, in the prior month. So some give back uh, is being expected here as we start the fourth quarter. Okay. Well, we'll keep a close eye on that uh, data. I know last year CPI came in two tenths below expectation, and that contributed to a 90 basis points decline in yield on the third year. So that has big ramifications. We'll keep a close eye on it. Thank you very much, Marco, for all this information. Very helpful as usual. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Next up, we're joined by Elizabeth Henderson, the head of our corporate group. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks, Pat. It's good to have you. Um, In addition to her responsibilities running the corporate group, she is also responsible for the media sector. And every week, members of our investment team provide our views to the company. And without fail, yours always draws the most questions. Uh, This industry is near and dear to everybody's heart because we're all using it every day. And uh, it also happens to be one of the largest 
constituents in the Bloomberg Barclays Index. So tell us, what, what are you seeing in the sector, Elizabeth? Are there any fundamental changes taking place that we should be aware of? Uh, definitely. So um, to your point, communications is a, a large sector, and that's broken up between telecom, cable, and then media entertainment. So the one, all of those industries are going through change, but the media sector in particular, and and then concentrating on that one, uh, those involved with television, uh, that sector has gone through quite a transformation, and we've all seen it in our daily lives. Uh, we're all using multiple streaming services, most likely, um, perhaps uh, cutting the cord away from our traditional cable package. So uh, there's been certainly a lot of change, and that has resulted in uh, changes to uh, the companies themselves. So with effectively with higher broadband speeds, whether you're using fiber or um, an, another type of provider speed uh, has gone up and that's allowed consumers have uh, to stream television from companies like Netflix. And back then it was because we wanted to pay less, not worry about advertising. Um, but that what that's meant is more of us spending uh, time watching TV on those streaming platforms and less time on the traditional television kind of uh, ecosystem. So those media companies, especially those more tilted towards the traditional uh, television, have had to launch their own streaming services to compete with the Netflix. And then that's resulted in a different business model uh, than, the, than that traditional TV setup. So they're trying to find customers, uh, keeping them engaged, that means they have to find fresh uh, content. They have to that content has to be good um, because interestingly, unlike uh, the way we used to do it, where you would just pay your cable company and every month, uh, now you can of course uh, decide. Well, I'm done watching Yellowstone. I don't need to have Paramount Plus anymore. So that you cancel and then maybe resubscribe at a later date when the next season comes out or something. So apparently about a third of people do that. Uh, so it's just one example of many that uh, really created some stress and changes in the way uh, this sector has worked. Mm -hmm. um, you highlighted uh, cord cutting. What do you expect to happen next between traditional media and, and streaming companies? Yeah, good, good point. Um, so when you think about what, like to your point, the evolution of what's happened here, um, these these companies, these media companies have had to pay uh, for all that content. So that means they've had to raise our prices. Um, and now these streaming services, like you said earlier, they're more expensive. So um, they're starting to offer more advertising on these services. Uh, and customers like us are, are saying to ourselves, well, I'd, I'd rather save $5 a month and, and use the advertising-based platform. Um, so you're seeing content move from traditional TV to streaming. You're also seeing uh, the evolution of more advertising-based services in terms of uh, all of these, if it's Netflix, if it's Warner Brothers. Um, and now Amazon, interestingly, has is talking about making their existing video service, which we get if you're a prime customer, um, they're talking about changing that to becoming an ad-based service and that if you don't want ads, then you would have to call, or I'm sure you don't have to call Amazon, you would just have some kind of option to uh, pay more to make it ad-free. So um, this, this 
advent of advertising on the streaming platforms is a particular concern of mine as an analyst uh, in terms of how that changes the revenue streams of certain companies. Um, because when I think about how TV advertising is a significant component, especially to some companies' revenue stream. Uh, so when I'm forecasting overall television ad spending, I'm expecting that to remain roughly flat every year. It might change with political, but mm -hmm. I don't see that growing because you have digital platforms, uh, Facebook, others that are getting you know the increasing uh, growth of that advertising uh, market share. Um, so what that means, if you have a pretty flat uh, uh, market in terms of growth, is you have a share shift from traditional networks like Nickelodeon, for example, to the streaming services like Netflix. Hmm. So those are big secular changes you're talking about. How does that, um, how will that affect different investment grade issuers? Yeah, um, I do think that that's kind of the next, uh, that's what has to be on the CEOs and CFOs minds. Um, so I think that's going to create uh, some change, uh, to your point, in, in the space. So just talking about four of these companies, uh, and certainly some of these companies are better prepared for that shift than others. Um, Disney is a great example when I forecast the, the ad revenues that it could earn on its ad-based platform um, or streaming platform, I'll say. It's very similar to the, um, the advertising that it's getting uh, that's a that's more at risk i'll say in its traditional business so that's one that's in it that's in my opinion is positioned pretty well in that mm -hmm. uh, in that environment um but there are others that when i do that same analysis that look to be in a worse position and those include paramount um peacock which is owned by nbc or comcast and then fox uh, so i think what happens is that these companies see that risk and then it becomes a catalyst for a change in their strategy. Um, so when that occurs, of course, companies tend to look to make acquisitions or sell assets. So uh, the best example really of that is Paramount. Uh, so I, I would make the argument that there's less value to the distribution side of that business, the Paramount Plus and even the network placement in the traditional kind of TV package. Um, the, the value there is really in its studio business, the, the ability for them to create the content. Um, but that value, when you, when you look at a studio, it's really hard to value a studio because it's, you know, every year is different in terms of uh, Top Gun uh, <laughs> being a big hit one year and, and, you know, something maybe being a flop the next year. So I have seen estimates that range anywhere from 15 to 25 billion, which is a pretty wide range for yeah. a company that size. Um, and I'm hoping to get a better sense Lionsgate is going to IPO its studio next, uh, supposed to be early next year. So um, in the meantime, we're hoping uh, Paramount Management uh, starts to think about shifting its focus from just burning cash uh, because of that kind of distribution side of the business and, and really focus on doing uh, is on its core asset, and that is being a content producer. Um, or it needs to think about like breaking the company up, selling the studio, winding down some pieces of the business uh, kind of longer term. So that's one, I think, great example of a uh, real change that, we could, that could be coming for a company. Okay. Um, so why don't we wrap this up by 
talking about how you're recommending portfolios get positioned. What issuers do you want us to own at the present time? And what issuers are you suggesting that we try to avoid? Um, so as you know, uh, media has been in a segment of the index that we have been underinvested because of these secular challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, it's funny, I last presented uh, in more meaningfully on this topic in 2019. Um, and when you look at how bonds have performed for these companies, they they have generally all underperformed except for discovery. And I can, I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but I think it's just interesting to kind of do that analysis and look at, you know, it was, um, it's good and value add when we're investing in a sector like yours, like energy, um, that's outperformed the market since that time than, than media. So one might say, well, now's the time to be investing, but uh, given all of the changes that are still ahead, uh, we're really just comfortable with in terms of the television media related media companies with Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, they're deleveraging, they have an attractive asset base. Um, it's, a, it's a company that I think uh, will look attractive to uh, an NBC, Peacock, Comcast, uh, and perhaps a transaction after this spring when it's able to, uh, to do something. So that's one that we, we are more favorable on. Um, in terms of kind of waiting to buy, uh, those these are companies that they certainly have good attributes, but there's something about it that that we're waiting to see, and that is Disney um, because it has a uh, an agreement with Comcast related to Hulu. Uh, we expect Disney to be buying Comcast stake in Hulu, and that would uh, potentially result in a large bond issuance. So we'd rather buy that new issue, for example. So. Uh, waiting for Disney, waiting for Comcast related to this, uh, you know, restructuring that could happen down the road. And then Netflix. Netflix is now an investment grade company, um, but the, its bond spreads are, are very tight um, and it doesn't really have any uh, longer duration type of um, issues. So we're waiting for a new issue coming from Netflix at some point. Uh, and then the ones that we would just outright avoid because we do not uh, feel that they're investment grade quality credits are Fox and Paramount. Um, I talked about Paramount in more um, in more detail, but just, just uh, there are different bonds that have change of control protection, and, and perhaps there's some nuances there, but uh, we'd rather just outright avoid those two names. Mm, okay. Well, it's uh, very informative, Elizabeth, and entertaining. Uh, thanks for all your information. All right, thanks. Yeah. Of course, we want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you have any questions, please reach out to your portfolio manager or our marketing team at aamcompany.com. During our next podcast, I'll be joined by Marco and another member of our investment team to discuss a timely issue affecting the fixed income markets. Thanks.